Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I am your host, Kevin Price, talking about you and your business. Jacob Bogues, he's been on the show before. You uh, know him because you've been on the show, I think, more than almost any other uh, reporter we've had on from the Post. This is almost like his part-time gig. Uh, we've been doing a series with uh, Post reporters for quite coordinated, of course, with the Washington Post. So it's a joke there. I don't want to get you in trouble, Jacob. Uh, but uh, we love having you on, and you have been on frequently. And uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm, I'm right of center with kind of a libertarian streak, but I love the Post because very few publications are as thorough and as depth, have as much depth as the Post. Always love having you on. Well, Graham, remind hey. us again of your beat. Yeah, it's great to be with you, uh, and I will very happily turn this into a part-time gig. We can do this more frequently if you like. <laughs> I, I cover economic policy in Congress uh, now, which we, we think about in a really broad way. Um, if you can put a dollar sign in front of it, and Congress is going to be dealing with it, uh, that I can make a case as economic policy because it's taxpayer money. Uh, it's, it's you know, what Congress is doing with your money and how it's regulating our economy. And so it really helps us cast a broad lens about what individuals, families, businesses are going through and what that means uh, for the rest of our economy. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, and, and all of this, of course, this is, often you'll find with uh, articles at the Post, you'll have multiple authors involved when they're trying to get a really broad picture was the case here, you brought one dimension, obviously, that's this economic aspect to a really big story, which is uh, the, the new Speaker of the House that, uh, that the Republicans were able to agree on, which, of course, you know, <laughs> oh, that's controversial as well. Uh, but anyway, and this guy's an interesting speaker. From what I can tell, he doesn't even have a checking account or one worthy of reporting, uh, you know, to the uh, House uh, uh, committee in charge of that. This guy has is really a rookie as far as a legislator, right? He, I think he's a what six years in the, in the job, and uh, yet he got every Republican voting for him, which just showed me how exhausted the quote normal Republicans were after dealing with the uh, what I call uh, in words, Jacob. You don't have to acquire any of these. What I call the crazy eight that have taken over the house. <laughs> And, and I sit there and I look at those eight, and I'm like going, surely the more normal members aren't going to let them win so that they can crush this kind of behavior in the fourth future. No, of course not. They're not going to do that. And uh, I just am in awe. I, I just am in awe that, you know, that, uh, that they're in this situation. This guy is not much different from a Matt Getz, from what I've read, except he's more polite. He's incredibly socially conservative to a, a really shocking degree. Um, and, you know, we're seeing that play out in the way that he is trying to unite this conference. And, you know, I think when we've seen previous Republican speakers, uh, including Speaker McCarthy, uh, Paul Ryan, John Boehner, the way they approached the divisions in the Republican Party was from an institutionalist perspective, stand with the more uh, conventional or orthodox majorities of your party, um, and then move a little bit right to placate folks. And, and I think we're seeing almost immediately with Speaker Johnson, 
working in the opposite direction. Start from the fringe right of your party and work to the middle. The, the issue that he's having so far is that he really hasn't moved to the middle very much. Uh, and so, you know, the, the crazy eight that you were talking about uh, or, or the House Freedom Caucus or the fringes of his party have kind of dictated policy so far, and they haven't really gotten a lot done. It's also only been two weeks, so we're very early days. Uh, but, you know, I hear from Republicans, you know, all the time, this guy's learning on the job and it shows. Yeah, so do on-the-job training. That seems to be the norm, right? They they appoint, uh, they be it a Republican or Democrat, they try to find the least controversial appointee for offices, uh, and that ends up being the less experienced people, right? We don't want a paper trail. We don't want to know they know how to do their job. Uh I mean, it's and it's bipartisan. Both both sides find themselves doing that, and now you've got it in, in this case a, a very important job uh, that is being driven by someone who has virtually no legislative success. He's got nothing done in his time in Congress uh, other than fundraising and floor, you know floor speeches. And uh, this guy's in charge, you know, and the Republicans will say he's a great legislator. I, I recall Speaker McCarthy uh, saying that about uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan years never got a single bill passed. How is that a great legislator? Don't you have to know how to legislate to be a great legislator? I don't know. I get caught up in some of this stuff, and I'm like, uh, why? you know, it's almost like I look at it with logical eyes, and then after I do that, it's like, shame on you, Kevin. Yeah, I don't want to put... Mike Johnson down too much because this guy is a policy block. He really is. You know, he ran the Republican Study Committee, which is kind of the, the GOP internal think tank of the House. And for generations, it's been the conservative, you know, almost conscience of the House. Um, and, and you can see as he's staffing up his leadership office, really drawing back on those days and pulling folks from RSC, from the, the ultra-conservative Heritage Foundation, from the former Trump orbit, uh, to bone up his policy shop. So I, I don't want to portray him as some sort of, you know, novice or debutante. However, he is relatively inexperienced. Um, and I think one of the best ways to look at that is what's playing out on the House floor right now. I mean, he just, they're, they're pulling appropriations bills that they said they were going to pass, they're pulling them off the floor left and right because they know they can't win the votes. These bills are too far to the extreme in terms of cutting Amtrak uh, on the transportation, uh, housing, urban development bill in terms of abortion restrictions, um, you know, in, in some other ones. And, you know, the election results Tuesday night certainly don't help. Um, so I, you know, <laughs> I think the biggest fight he has coming up, and, and we still don't know, you know, which way the wind is going to blow on this, is avoiding government shutdown. Um, and, and the deadline for that is, you know, midnight, the stroke of midnight, turning November 17 and November 18. And boy, oh boy, are we getting close. And there's a lot of people up on the hill who want to have a normal Thanksgiving and to get this done sooner or later. And uh, we are short on progress and short on time. Very, very. 
both. Yeah, and uh, yeah, about the House Study Committee. And, and it, I remember it being very serious when I worked up in Capitol Hill. It was founded by uh, Phil Crane, uh, Congressman Phil Crane from Illinois, and with all of the issues that Phil Crane had, one thing you had to do is give him serious, you know, uh, respect as uh, intellectual, a PhD in history, and uh, had a lot of gravitas in that uh, area. And so I, I considered it serious. I don't consider it is serious today. And so I, I do have to give him credit for that. I got to be careful not to write, you know, a requiem, uh, you know, for this uh, speaker before the, uh, <laughs> you know, before he's had much traction. But I'm just very pessimistic. I, I'm very pessimistic about the whole uh, GOP uh, caucus. And again, I'm someone who I've never considered myself a party a party animal, uh, I, although I've always gravitated towards Republicans because that's where the conservatives are. But I will say I don't know this this Republican Party at all today. I, I'm I'm shocked by it and continue to be. And um, the stuff is so dangerous. You know, I, I I see a lot of market volatility with the appointment of Johnson has continued, and I think there's just a a, a lot of belief that uh, he's not going to be able to figure it out in this on the job training to get some type of resolution passed. Now it's like set up that he, whoever the Republican speaker is, has to get a win every time they get a continuing resolution or something that looks like a win. And kind of what he's shooting for, which is disenfranchising, uh, you know, in terms of military support, continued military support of Ukraine, that's too good to hope to get a continuing resolution passed, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, beauty is in the eye of a beholder, and what we, what Speaker Johnson could consider a win, I think, is a little bit more broad, um, because if he put Ukraine funding on the floor, it would pass with both Republican and Democratic votes. Uh, you know, there is the House opinion, the House Republican opinion of Ukraine funding has turned, uh, and, and it couldn't pass on a party line vote. Um, but, you know, he has paired that with uh, requiring policy changes on immigration. Now, if you want to kill something in Congress, you can, always, you know, there's two things you can always do. You can attach it to changes in Social Security. You can attach it to changes on immigration policy. And that's what that's what's been done here. Um, you know, getting a clean CR or, or a continuing resolution to fund the government at, at consistent spending levels. That could be considered a policy win. We'll see if he takes it, um, especially if you couple that with funding for Israel, or there's been talk about uh, a commission to study the federal debt uh, in Social Security and Medicare spending. Um, you know, that could be considered a win. But, you know, a lot of these, I think the volatility you're seeing, Kevin, you raise a really good point, is because there are so many very important issues in the near term that rest on a knife's edge. Is the government going to shut down? Are we going to fund Israel? Are we going to fund Ukraine? Um, you know, these are some of these go beyond economic issues, and they are geopolitical issues about, you know, in, not just national but international security for the next decade or two. Yeah, absolutely. Jacob Gage, always love having you. Encourage people to check out this very thoughtful article. 
very smart uh, reporters taking their own unique perspective and looking at the landscape of uh, the GOP hardliner. It's, it's fascinating read, as is everything I read over there at the Post, frankly. Um, final thoughts as we wrap it up. Do go to WashingtonPost.com. I strongly encourage you to check out and, and consider a subscription. We will, of course, have a link to Jacob's uh, archive as well as this article over at PriceOfBusiness.com. Final thoughts. Uh, let's see what, what we come up with with a, uh, a continuing resolution, I think, to fund the government. If we can avoid a government shutdown, I think that will set the tone for the kind of conversations on funding Israel, on funding Ukraine, um, you know, and define the legacy of the, the Johnson speakership, which, you know, that's going to be defined sooner than later. Yeah, Absolutely. I've always loved talking to you. Look forward to having you on again. I'm going to start asking for you more and more by name because I now look for your articles. So I might as well do that. Thanks so much for being with us. Always great to be with you, Kevin. I am Kevin Price. This is the nationally syndicated Price of Business. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 